Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Through the Clouds Podcast. I'm Jared Schiedemeyer, joined alongside my co-host. Ava Albright. And we are back for episode number eight of the podcast. Should be exciting. Yeah. And we are joined alongside this week by uh, my good friend, uh, Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. Uh, Sam is a ERJ-175 pilot here based in Chicago, and oh, yeah. we are so excited to have him on the, ep- the show today. Excited to be here. Uh, we got a good show going up. We got our own aviation stories for the week, followed up by some uh, aviation news. We have our featured incident of the week, and we'll wrap up the show with some questions for Sam. We have one viewer question, and Sam has some questions. We'll turn back on to Ava and myself. So it should be a good one. So let's start it off right away. Ava, you've had quite the exciting week this week. Why don't you tell us about it? I did. I had my first cross country. Uh, we flew to Rockford and back. Um, so that was very fun. It was a shorter one. It was only about like an hour and a half total time, but um, saw some nice big planes, UPS planes. It is the second largest UPS hub in the United States, so that's pretty much why I chose to go there. Did you see um, any uh, Amazon Prime planes, too? I saw two, yeah, two okay. 737s. And I think you said you saw a special 767 there, too, right? Did you see a Ameriflight 767? Oh, yeah, seven yeah. Six, yeah. A Ameriflight? Ameriflight. Really? Yep. I thought they only had the 1900s. No, yeah, they also have the 767. Oh, yeah. news to me. Yeah. Now, what now you what know. time were you there? Around one o'clock. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah it's probably a lot of traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do pattern work there once right around the same uh-huh. time. And it's like every four minutes they're launching a heavy. Yeah. And you're trying to fit in your pattern work and the tower just obviously doesn't want you there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was cool though. And the controller was very nice. So good. Yeah. I, I, I got to go there once and there's an A300 behind me and the, the controller made a joke. He said he was like, caution, wake turbulence, Skyhawk on the upwind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. Uh, I also had my first night flight here, so that was pretty cool. Did some landings. We stayed up till like, 11 o'clock at night. It's a late night for me, but pretty fun. Late night flight. Those are yeah. the best, I guess, yeah. right? Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, Sam, we've heard that you've had quite the week as well. Why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah, I actually did nothing this week. It was great. <laughs> Um, so I actually got pulled off of one of my trips because, uh, there was a captain that needed IOE. So he had just finished his upgrade training and okay. he got put on my schedule. Um, but he hasn't flown at the check airman yet. Okay. What is IOE? It's initial operating experience. So, uh, you just have a check airman with you, which is just basically a more qualified captain. They've, you know, done different check rides and, uh, that's basically it. Cool. You know, they're, they're more experienced and it's kind of like, uh, typically it's all brand new FOs that haven't ever flown a jet before. haven't flown a jet at that airline or, uh, captains who are, had just upgraded. Um, so I got pulled off of that trip, but we still get paid for it. Okay. So I'm supposed to be on the very last day of the trip right now, but I am here with you guys instead of at work and you're still getting paid, still getting paid. He's getting paid to be with us. Oh yeah. Well, what could be better? Yeah, exactly. I mean, my mom told me that she was going to pay anyone to hang out with me, but there I, you go. I guess it didn't work out. Yeah, <laughs> Sneaky moms. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, Sam, you also said that you visited the uh, Aviation Center near Washington, Dulles. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so last week I had a, a four-day trip. That's the most recent flying I did. It was uh, 10 legs, so pretty late show times, which was kind of nice. I like to sleep in. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, 10 legs, about 22 and a half hours, and got to visit the Space Center. That's pretty cool. Well, it's a, it's just an aviation museum, but the coolest part is the space shuttle. 
That is awesome. You know, the SR-71, and they've got a lot of different uh, airplanes from the World War. Uh, It kind of sounds like the Udvar-Hazy Center is basically the Smithsonian that has all the stuff they couldn't fit in the Smithsonian. The cooler stuff. Yeah. So you get all, like, the cool big stuff that couldn't uh, have been flown into, you know, DCA. Yeah. And then hauled across the river, you know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they can't bring the space shuttle into Reagan. Not really. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then myself, um, I went on a uh, my first day commercial cross country to Oshkosh, which is where we're from. Got to see mom. Mom gave me some cookies and some laundry detergent. So it was a pretty successful trip. Um, and then I've also been doing a lot of instrument flying lately. A lot of holds, DME arcs, approaches, stuff like that. I looked up your track last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how'd you find out what plane I was in? Your Instagram story. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it looks like you did a direct entry when you should have done a parallel. What, which one? I don't know. It was like uh, kind of by Gary. But it oh. looked like you were like headed straight for the hold and just went... Oh, right into it. But okay. oh, that was the missed approach procedure at Chicago Lansing, and it says oh. to enter it direct. Oh, really? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay. it's kind of weird though because you're coming from a direction that like it should not be a direct, and you yeah. just kind of do like a weird like climbing left turn into it. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's, it's pretty weird. Yeah, actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, plus, I mean, whatever the airplane says to do, you pretty much do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part. Okay, looked um, like a fun flight with a lot of holds. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Okay, uh, Ava, do we got anything else going on? Uh, what is our next segment over here? I think we have some news. We have some news? Oh, my gosh. This is your weekly aviation news, the Through the Clouds podcast. I'm your host, Jared Schumacher, joining alongside Sam and Ava this week. And we got quite the exciting uh, news story. Sam, what, what did you think of that news intro? You're experiencing it for the first time live. Oh, man. It's even better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. It's an exciting moment. Okay. Uh, what do we got going on this week, Ava? Well, um, Delta has resumed a flight from Los Angeles to Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. Okay, that's pretty exciting. So for those of you that want to go to Paris, there you go. Out of Los Angeles, I guess. Yes. Which is probably no one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the San Francisco to uh, Charles de Gaulle, but it was on United. Okay. Obviously being from San Francisco. But was that on the 787? 777. 777, okay. Yeah, I think it was a 200. It makes sense. Yeah. Very cool. Um, speaking of United, United recently retrofitted their A319s with their uh, new uh, Next interior, uh, which has been recently added onto their 737 Maxes, and this is the first time it's made an appearance on their A320 product. So that's quite exciting, and we can expect to see the very outdated A319s be uh, transformed into something new. Yeah, they could use it. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little old, but... Yeah, and some of the the key features of this uh, is new seatback screens, uh, 13 inches in a uh, economy class, uh, which is huge. That's a huge screen. Yeah. Um, Bluetooth capabilities, so you can use your AirPods or uh, wireless headphones on now on the IFE screens, which I just think is a game changer. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, now have AC power outlets as well as USB ports at every single seat. High-speed in-flight Wi-Fi, larger overhead bins, as well as new LED ambient lighting. So you can go disco mode on the E319. Nice. That's always nice. That's the best part, right? Okay, Sam, what else do we got going on this week? Uh, Cathay Pacific is giving away 5,000 free tickets in contrast to ANA's uh, issue they had a couple of weeks ago. That's pretty crazy. 5,000 free tickets. So it looks like these are for travelers in India, Bangladesh, Nepal, and the United Arab Emirates. 
and it's to get more tourism into Hong Kong. Hopefully they do some soon for United States citizens so I can get some free tickets over to Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. I'd love to go over there. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, sure would. Okay, Ava, what else do we got? Well, um, this article title, <laughs> you, you brought it up. Um, <laughs> wheels Off at Wheels Up. Um, What's going on at Wheels Up? So Wheels Up, the uh, CEO stepped down um, following some issues with bankruptcy rumors, all that fun stuff. Basically, they have too much money in um, – they're over their head. They're in over their heads. Um, lost a lot of money. Have too much money in – what was I going to say? I don't know. I just read this before. Okay, well, we'll skip that because I forgot what I was going to say. No worries. So uh, Wheels yeah. Up is a uh, private charter um, corporation. And they do on-demand private aviation travel. So usually on either King Airs or smaller jets. And you can, you know, call them up and rent out a plane and go somewhere. Don't they also have a, they've got King Airs and Citation 10s, right? Yes. Yeah, those planes are cool. Yeah. Real fast. I always hear them up, you know, at 45,000 feet. Oh, really? Showing off <laughs> while we're sitting in the bumps. We, um, we get wheels up here every once in a while. Yeah. I think there was a King Air here this weekend. So it would be sad or disappointing seeing them. I mean, I know there's a lot of wheels up slander on the internet, a lot of memes about them. Yeah. I don't know what that's about because I don't know too much about the uh, private aviation world. Yeah. But I guess farewell. Wheels off for wheels up. I remember what I was going to say now. Okay. They have over a billion dollars in customer flight credits. Whoa. So. Wow. It's a little. A billion dollars? Yep. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's a couple flights, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam, uh, you got the last story, and I heard you're really excited yeah. about this one. This one's the most exciting for me because uh, good snacks are very important on airplanes. Uh, Alaska has new snacks, family-friendly friend- sandwiches for young travelers. It's called the Jet Setter Jam, which that I think is very cool. Iconic. Yeah, it's a peanut-free, uh, it's basically a peanut butter jelly sandwich. That is uh, okay for people with allergies, like peanut allergies. Uh, cashew and oat butter with sweet croissant bread. They've also got new breakfast options, such as a smoked salmon bagel sandwich. And two new wraps, the Mediterranean chicken and one that you're very excited about. The shawarma and mango. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what that is, but it sounds good. Shawarma is delicious. I, I'm not too hyped about the mango part because I'm not a big mango person. Yeah. But shawarma, oh yeah. So Alaska excited. already has, you know, good food options. So have you, that's have, pretty you exciting. Fl- have you flown on Alaska as a passenger? Nope. No, no, not I, once. I, have I not. see them all the time. Okay. But never as a passenger. I'd love to. I have never flown no. Alaska no. either. And I've seen their planes. Yeah. I like the honor, the honoring those who serve the, the military oh, yeah, salute cool. plane. Yeah. That's a pretty cool one. Didn't we see that one somewhere? Where were we? Yeah, we were at O'Hare when we oh, saw yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so that was a pretty cool one. I actually just saw the uh, the salmon plane that you guys had talked the, about the last new week. One? I saw the old one. Okay, I've seen the old yeah. one as well. Yeah. Also the orca one. That one's pretty cool. Oh, I've I like seen the orca. That would be yeah. nice to see. That is yeah. cool. They've got cool paint jobs. Kind of like Southwest in that way. Yeah, and I like Southwest's new... Amiibo one. That one, yep. <laughs> I well, can't pronounce it. you just knew you were going to say it right. Well, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but... What is that one? Is that um, the Hawaii one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that one's awesome. Yeah, it's the Hawaii and the Freedom one, the American flag. That's pretty yeah. cool. America. Okay. We, we got the uh, featured incident of the week, which our guest Sam is so excited about. So Yeah, I love this one. It's 
a tragedy, but also incredible. Okay, Sam, uh, take us away. United 232. There we go. <laughs> United 232. It was uh, captained by Al Haynes, first officer Bill Records, flight engineer Dudley Dvorak, and lucky for them, Denny Fitch. So Denny Fitch is a Czech airman, which we kind of talked about before. It's a highly qualified captain. Uh, and he was on a deadhead. And a deadhead is basically a company-scheduled uh, flight where, as a pilot, you're sitting in the back. And the passengers tell you, shouldn't you be up front because you're in uniform? Uh, but uh, United 232 was a scheduled airline service from Denver's Stapleton Airport, which I believe doesn't exist anymore, right? That is correct. It was replaced by the newer Denver International Airport. Right. Uh, to Chicago's O'Hare Airport. And they were sitting in crews, and they had their number two engine fail. And unfortunately for them, it was an uncontained engine failure, and they had uh, parts of the engine leave the engine housing and sever hydraulic lines. Oh, no. And one thing about large aircraft is that they need hydraulic assist to be able to move their flight controls. And so they had no control over the airplane whatsoever. The only hint of control they had was through modulating the number one and number three engine that they had. Uh, and Denny Fitch actually sitting in his first class uh, cabin told the flight attendant, hey, if, if they need any help, they've got to check airmen in the back. And uh, she came back and waved him in. And so he was actually at the thrust levers. Um, Al Haynes relinquished control of his aircraft to uh, Denny Fitch. And he had his hands on the controls, so he was modulating the thrust levers and trying to get it into the uh, Sioux Falls airport. They ended up landing on a closed runway, and there's a infamous video on the internet of it, uh, and they kind of tumbled down the runway. Um, but I believe about half the people survived, including uh, Denny Fitch and Al Haynes, and they've both got incredible interviews on the internet. Um, if you would like to, uh, Denny Fitch goes through, uh, the entire accident sequence and basically everything I just talked about in a much better way, um, on a video called leaving the earth, Denny Fitch full feature. So if you want to hit up YouTube, fantastic video. Um, but yeah, somehow they took an uncontrollable airport airplane and, uh, flew it down to the ground. That, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have the uh, the exact numbers here. There were 121, or sorry, 112 yep. total fatalities with 171 injuries and 184 survivors. That's over half. There you go. So, yeah. wow. Very uh, impressive. The uh, part of the reason they were successful, and we'll get into CRM, um, but was the uh, hospital at the Sioux Falls, uh, in Sioux Falls, was on shift change. So they were basically double staffed. For everybody to come in um and also the guy that ran the, the safety department at the airport ran like crazy drills that everybody was like what why are we running drills for you know a 727 we never get airplanes that big in here and then they had a dc-10 come wow. in full of people um but crm was the was the big thing that came from this united was actually the first airline i believe to adopt crm mm -hmm. and that is really um, it kind of sounds like just corporate talk, 
about, you know, crew resource management, you know, ways to be safer, but it really has gone a long way uh, towards aviation safety. And it, it basically breaks down to utilize your resources, including the crew on board. So it doesn't matter who it is. If you're the captain and you've been at the company for, you know, 40 years, uh, if your first officer doesn't like something, listen to them. If your flight attendants are struggling with something, listen to them and back them up. Um, very important uh, to utilize uh, CRM and risk management in every flight. Uh, so yeah. same thing with you guys. Like, you know, when you're flying around, if your flight instructor says something and you're not comfortable with it, you know, they should at least listen to, to your. Right. So. And it looks like after this accident, the FAA actually made CRM a mandatory part yep. of um, all airline operations. So it's, well, good for United for recognizing that this is yep. an important thing to have before it was even uh, mandated that it's required. And good for the FAA for realizing that it actually works and that yeah. it was all good. United Airlines tends to spearhead a lot of things like this. That's good, though. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it looks like it's been uh, featured in many uh, films as well as shows. Uh, Sam uh, mentioned a video We'll go ahead and yeah. put a link to that video in the show notes. Uh, so click Good. below on whatever um, uh, media platform you're listening to this podcast at. And it looks like there's also a memorial um, that was built alongside the Missouri River in Sioux City, Iowa, um, that was used to commemorate um, the flight crew and the rescue efforts by the Sioux City community. Yeah, yeah in general, the, the whole uh, accident sequence is incredible. Uh, the controllers are very composed and professional and very quick to respond to different things. Um, and everybody kept a level head. So I think Denny Fitch was on the radios throughout the uh, incident. And at one point, the controller says, you're clear to land any runway. And Denny comes back and says, you don't want to make it a runway, huh? You know, <laughs> so everybody was kind of in a in a good control of the situation mood, even though they were completely out of control and that's so important to make yeah. sure you have like you said level head at all times during yep. these crisis situations yep. yeah quite the uh quite the interesting accent like i said we'll have more information linked in the show notes we'll have a link to uh, an article about yeah united airlines flight 232 as well as the uh, video that sam had talked about so yeah thank you so much for, for talking to us about that yeah definitely recommend watching that video if you don't watch the one with al haynes definitely watch the one with denny fetch okay um, because it's i used to make all my students watch it it's a fantastic video. Oh, yep. really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what we got going on for the, uh, yeah. the the featured accident of the week. Ava, what's going on next? Well, um, the next thing we have are some questions. We have one question from a listener. I think we should go over that one first, probably, right? Yeah. And then we'll have some questions for Sam, and then Sam will have some questions for us. Sounds good to me. You want to... Ask the question from the listener. Sure. So uh, Steve from Oshkosh asks, pilots use a very comprehensive checklist process prior to every single flight. How did the checklist come about? Is there any interesting history about it? And does this talk about checklists in general? So Ava, you being, you being the history expert on the channel, it seems like, um, <laughs> what what, what yes. is up about these uh, the checklists? All right. So in 1935, they had a prototype of the B-17 at, for Boeing, which at that time was thought of just a Model 299. Um, so this was in 1935. It was, I believe, in October. Um, yeah, October in Dayton, Ohio. Um, a, the 299 had crashed 
Um, both pilots died. So after this crash and after a slight investigation, seeing as to why it occurred, what happened, um, Boeing realized that there needed to be checklists and things set in stone for pilots to be looking at, paying attention to, and doing for every flight to get up and land safely. Okay. And that's that's how the checklist came about. Yep. So we use checklists for everything, you know, pre-flight, the um, startup, taxi, before flight, climb, cruise, descent, before landing, yep. et cetera. And Sam, you in the airline world also use the same thing, correct? Yes. Um, so we have a checklist. It's one page. Um, and we have things like before you start the engines, uh, right before you start the engines. Um, after start, we've got a something that you guys actually might not have and chime in if you do but we have a checklist that we run if we change runways which oh. is pretty common in the airline yeah, world we do not have that. you know from uh from o'hare you know you set up for uh what is it 10 right at uh delta or 10 left at delta delta whatever it is mm-hmm. i haven't been to work in a week so <laughs> and a lot of my flying has been on the east coast so i haven't actually been in chicago all that much um but then you get a runway change to two two left well, now you've got different runway lengths. Um, you've got different wind components. Um, you know, it might take longer to taxi there, so you might weigh different. Your airplane might be a different weight. Um, your autopilot has to be set up differently. The flight management computer, the FMC, or we call it an MCDU, has to be set up differently. So we have checklists for that as well. Um, but yeah, use your checklists. Use your checklists. Yeah. Yeah. All the yeah. way from, you know, when you... And to turn on the airplane to shutting it down after you shut it down, we've got a checklist. Um, and we run it a little different than you guys do. Um, do you guys have like tax, task flow checklist? That's what we have. Uh, you mean like where one person says like the action item, the other person like repeats it or something like that? Or so that's like the methodology for how you run the checklist. Okay, but like for us, we've got a list of tasks to do. So, like before start checklist, uh, you're going to run through things like setting up the flight plan, you're going to set up the performance, you're going to you know, get the ATIS and things Mm -hmm. like that. And then you run a flow, which is just different action items. And then once that is complete, then you call for the checklist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do not have that. Everything is on the checklist. And like ours is a couple more than one page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah. And then we've got also our emergency checklist in there as well for engine failure, engine fire, right. Wing fire. What about your, what about your emergency procedures? Do you have a checklist or something like that? Yeah, we have a couple of different ones. Um, one is much more abbreviated and it's basically just like uh, things that you don't have time to dig through a book to find. Um, so things like an engine fire or um, if your cabin altitude gets too high. So depressurization. Okay. Um, and it's, it's on one sheet. Uh, there's certain things that you have to have memorized on that sheet and there's certain things that you don't have to have memorized and the intention is actually not for you to memorize it because the checklist runs through it and make sure make sure that you do it properly okay um which is the whole point Uh, and then we also have a qrh which is the quick reference handbook which is you know probably like five or six inches thick it's it's a big book um and it's basically anything that can go wrong after you drop the brake um you have a system failure of some sort and it will guide you through either troubleshooting that system failure or kind of what to do um it also tells you like if you should divert things okay. like that. Um, and of course you can use pilot's discretion. Um, and you can say, you know what, this problem doesn't say that we have to divert but because of the situation that we're in. Okay. Let's get out of here. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 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 yeah and um, 
Yeah, and it seems like the the airlines are like supportive of pilots' discretion during an emergency scenario. Absolutely. That's what yeah. at least I've seen from like, you know, case yeah. studies. You know, the checklists are there to help guide you, and yep. they should be used. But also at the same time, like the checklist doesn't account for every single scenario, exactly. so you need to use like your own experience along with the checklist and make an informed decision after that. Nicely yeah. put. Pretty cool. So yeah, Steve, thanks for the question. That's yeah, that's, that's what really we got about question. checklists. Um, a lot of people may not even know that we use checklists to do things. Or well, really, do. you don't remember everything about the plane. Well, we remember, but how often do you do something that you're like you're supposed to do, and you might like skip a step because it's not important that time? Yeah. Well, in the airplane, everything has a rhyme and a reason. Even if like I don't know, you got enough fuel in the right tank, still put the t- selector on both because you know you never know like if one's clogged or whatever yep. and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. A lot of stuff to go. I guess you don't have a, a fuel selector to go between right and both. And yes, left. we do. Oh, you do. Yes, we okay. do. Uh, yeah, and it's it's basically the same thing as you have in a 172. Where okay, now my engine is taking fuel from the right tank. Now my engine is f- taking fuel from the left tank, or both. Usually that just happens because our our APU burns fuel out of the right engine. Oh, okay. So by the time you get up to cruise, you might be 500 pounds off. That's that's a high number. Usually it's like two or three hundred pounds and just balancing out the tanks creates better aerodynamics and mm-hmm. you can save just a tiny bit sense. of gas. And if you can save a tiny bit of gas here and there, you end up saving a lot throughout time. Yeah. I did not know that the um, APU draws from the right tank or the right engine. Most accessories in any airplane, once you get past smaller aircraft, they're always going to pull out of the right tank. Even like a beach duchess, the fuel that is used to heat up to to be used in the heater comes out of the right tank. And is there like specific reason why it's the right tank? No clue. Okay. Why do we board on the left side of the airplane? I don't know. There you go. That's <laughs> just what we do. <laughs> I never even thought about that. Yeah, you always board yeah, from the left. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'd like to board from the right one of these days. Someday. See what, see what Someday like. you'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Sam, we're going to talk a little bit about you now. Okay. Um, who are you? How did you get to where you are now? I suppose we probably should have started with this at the very beginning That's of the right. show. We're leaving people wondering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, now they're hopefully still listening. Or exactly. maybe not. Maybe not. Hopefully maybe not. maybe you drew them away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how I got into flying is uh, from Young Eagles. Okay. That's basically it. I was at a uh, air show in my hometown, which was basically like, you know, 170s, 172s, 180s. Uh, tons of RVs because they came up from EAA. Okay. And uh, yeah, some guy. At, I shouldn't say some guy. I know his name. I've got his phone number. I talk to him every <laughs> once in a while. Okay. Um, but an undisclosed pilot um, invited me onto his airplane and I got to sit up in the right seat and he flew us around my hometown. And uh, yeah, That's I was awesome. stuck on it from there. It, I, I was basically one of the, you know, every kid likes trains, planes, automobiles you know all that stuff that's how yes. i was and yeah. but like just at the right time uh i was fully introduced to something and that's what i stuck on to got into rc planes and stuff like that um okay and then i was about to graduate high school and had no clue what i wanted to do um and then my dad was sitting at the computer one day and he said why don't you try touring this school and i was like no i'm not gonna tour an aviation school like that's that's not gonna work and I toured it and I was like, this is definitely what I want to do. You know, I, I always thought I wanted to be a pilot, but I didn't know that there was a way to do it. I, you know, I was considering the coast guard, considering the military. Okay. Um, but, uh, went for it at this college. And then two years later I was, a uh, you know, CFI, MEI, double I had the whole thing, had a blast, 
taught there for a couple of years. And then uh, there came an opportunity to work for a different flight school where we were going to do some different kinds of flying. It was a part 61 school where we were doing, you know, upset recovery, aerobatics. We were doing ferrying of airplanes. I got to fly biplanes all the time. It was tons of fun. And that's where I met Jarrett and Ava. Yeah. And uh, Jarrett was my student for a little while. And then he, uh, he launched his career into uh, Lewis University. So he's here now. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do after uh, I got my ATP hours. I uh, didn't want to go to the airlines because I didn't want to commute. Um, wanted to go charter, but you needed to have the ATP CTP course done. And that's very expensive. Oh, uh, yeah. But eventually settled on, uh, interviewed at an airline and just had a really good impression. Um, and I'm here now just had my one year mark here. So having a, a ton of fun. Congratulations. Yeah, so yeah. Fun. yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I've always been very, very interested in aviation, but I've never been perfectly, uh, set on what path I wanted to take, which I think is fine. Yeah. I you, mean, you, you don't have to have exactly. You know, yeah. There's so many outlets between crop dusting yeah. and uh, medical and, yep tours skydiving commercial operations business operations like there's so much to do yeah it's awesome i think what really started my aviation thing was we used to have always always have a medevac helicopter fly over the house okay uh, in my hometown and i would always hear them fly over and jump on my bike and race to the hospital and try and catch them landing but no way never worked i only saw the medevac helicopter land in oshkosh once at the aurora hospital there yeah Um. And I, I did the same thing. I jump, I jump on my bike and try nice. to race it over. Nice. I never caught it, except once. I, I did get it once. Nice. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Sam. It's nice to you know hear about you a little bit more. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. Sam and I have known each other for a year what? and a half, almost two years, maybe. Almost two. Yeah, two years. I bet it's almost two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, because in the fall was our first flight together. Yeah. Flying uh, around the Cherokee. September. Uh, 14th or something like that something like that yeah yeah pretty cool uh worst student i've ever had (laughs) right Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right uh sam as an airline pilot you're constantly moving uh, or not moving i meant like flying all over the place um so what sometimes you have to spend nights in those places that you land at so what's your favorite like place to spend the night and what's your favorite layover this always is a surprise to people because you'd think it'd be like new york city or you know, somewhere down south on the beach, but Bismarck, North Dakota. That's my spot. Interesting. I, I love Bismarck. Just the, the I, I believe it's the capital of North Bismarck? Dakota. Yeah, it? Yes, yes, it so, is. Because yep. the other place. Ava's our history buff, so she knows it all. Yeah. There you go. But it, there's a difference between history and geography and all that. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't She's Social studies. studies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, Bismarck is just a nice town. Um, we stay downtown and there's a lot of restaurants and stuff. And that's what, that's typically what we do on overnights is we go out to restaurants and just have food and chat, Okay, you know, play cards and, and stuff like that. do you, as an airline pilot in a general sense, do airlines like, like pay for that food? Do you get like a certain amount of money you can spend on that food or is that just coming out of your pocket? Kind of, sort of, we get per diem, which is just, you're getting paid because you're not at home. Okay. So there's certain expenses that the airline accounts for. Um, some places like some charter operations will give you like a company card and they'll say, you know, try to keep it to like $80 a day or a hundred dollars a day. Um, but at the airlines, usually you just get per diem and that just goes straight onto your paycheck. So, okay. um, every trip will have a time away from base 
thing. So like throughout a month, you're probably away from base, like 150, 160, 200 hours ish, right around there. Um, and it's like two bucks an hour. Okay. You know, so on top of your pay, when you're away from home, you're making that, that extra money too. So it adds a couple hundred dollars to every paycheck, which yeah, is, that's just nice. Good. I mean, that covers meals, but it's also not taxed. Oh, so packing food is a really good option to save money. And I actually just bought a new cooler. It's coming tomorrow. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Is yeah. it one of those that go that like with the J cook on your yep. bag? Yeah. What's that brand that uh, luggage works? Luggage works. Yeah. Okay. So my coolers luggage works. Um, and the, the new coolers luggage works. Everything else I have is um, actually no. My coolers travel pro. Oh, my okay. roller bag and my flight bag is luggage works. Okay. Yeah. The 22 inch stealth. Everybody's got one. Yeah, I would say yeah. Ever, I'd, <laughs> yep. all the flight instructors are talking about that over at the yeah. uh, aviation department. Thinking of buying them? Uh, yeah, yeah, because I, I, today was uh, two of the instructors' last day, and they're both going to um, cool. uh, Envoy nice. and flying the 175. And they were, nice. they're like, oh, we just bought our luggage. And they're talking about which <sighs> ones they got. <laughs> they should have waited. Oh. The airlines have discount codes. Oh, really? Yeah, that's okay. Well, well, whatever. You're enough. a flight instructor. You're probably rich, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Ava, do you got a question? Um, I think this was actually a question you put in here, but New York, the busy airspace, is it different than other Bravos? Uh, it's less efficient than other Bravos. Yeah. Uh, functionally, no. But you will get into the airspace 30 minutes early and be at the gate 30 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just because they have to, they have to vector traffic out and around. Like usually, going into JFK, if they're landing south, um, you actually end up over the ocean at like two thousand feet. That's crazy. Just two hundred fifty yeah. knots, two thousand feet, just following. You know, the JetBlue in front of you and the Delta behind you, and they're just flowing the traffic in. It works really well, but it just takes a long time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever interacted with Kennedy Steve? No, he retired. Oh, okay. So I think he works. Um, I think he works ramp now. He's not a controller at the ramp. I think he's a manager oh, okay. of the whole ramp system. I, I think. Interesting. That was the last I heard. He might be retired in general, which is okay. so good for him. But uh, yeah. Kennedy Steve, for those of you that do not know, is a uh, very famous uh, Kennedy yeah. air traffic control tower just yeah. because he's well, a funny guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only difference about New York airspace is people like to pick on the accent. So Tar will, will say, you know, go to departure and somebody will be like, off the departure, see ya. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so people like to pick on the accent, but it's all in good fun. That's funny. Yeah. Um, and is the, is the frequency relatively, is it more busy than others? Or is there a lot of different sectors that like the frequency is broken up into? Yeah, there's a lot of different sectors. I think, uh, so New York has, and it's the same as Chicago. They've got a couple of different approach frequencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so one guy is controlling just the general airspace and kind of sequencing people in while another controller is working like final. So they're vectoring, you know, people from downwind okay. and whereas the other guys from 10,000, 15,000 yeah. feet, whatever. Our approach frequency here at Lewis happens to be the same as the final approach frequency at Midway. So nice. it's, uh, it's always like clogged up. You can never get a flight following out of here. I mean, I feel like Midway's <laughs> already busy enough. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think they're landing Northeast today. So I saw a lot of uh-huh. airplanes on my way on. It was oh, okay. pretty cool. Yeah. And the, uh, the, um, Arnav goes right over Lewis. Like yeah. the, it goes like from the Joliet VOR, like to I forgot what fix it is, but they go right over Lewis at three thousand yeah. feet. Very nice. Yeah, no, the the airspace really isn't different uh, when you're actually sitting up in the front. It's okay. It doesn't feel any different. It just feels a little bit slower. 
like in Chicago, I mean, as soon as you get, as soon as you can go 300 knots, they want you going 300 knots. Okay. Um, whereas at Kennedy and LaGuardia and Newark, usually they want you kind of low and slow, uh, just cause so much congestion, you know, if, if one person needs to slow down for turbulence or operational needs or something like that, it backs up everybody behind them. Okay. Interesting. Um, but yeah, not very different, but Chicago is, they've got it figured out. Awesome. It's That's good to hear. Airport. Yeah. Um, then, uh, speaking of airports, flying, flying into airports, what is your favorite airport to fly into? Probably DCA. Oh, okay. Just because of the river visual. And you've been, you've been able to do the river visual. I've done it three times now this summer. Wow. Whenever the wind's from the South there and the clouds are, you know, good enough for that approach. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. I mean, it's cool. The, uh, there's there's buildup of residential areas on the right side. You, you fly right next to the Pentagon, right next to the national mall, right down the Potomac. It's very cool. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to go on that someday. Yeah. That yeah. sounds super cool. If you're flying into DCA and you know, you're doing the river visual sit on the left side of the airplane, left side of the airplane. It's awesome. There that, that is a pro tip. Yeah. yeah. From pilots. There you go. All right. Uh, another question. What is your favorite length of trip? Three days. Three days are the best. Uh, just because, uh, one day trip, my drive's about 45 minutes and there's also an employee bus and everything they have to take. So that adds, I mean, when, from when I leave the front door of the house to the gate of the airplane is about two hours. So I leave about two hours before my show time. Um, so if I'm doing like one trip where I'm going out to like Detroit and back that adds, you know, four hours to my day, that feels kind of wasteful. Yeah. Two day trips are really really nice because you only, you're only away from home one night four day trips are too long so three day trips are perfect so awesome. right in the middle. yeah do you prefer mornings or nights for your trips oh it changes if <laughs> if i've got a cool overnight like if like next month i have a 18 hour overnight in colorado springs whoa but i get sounds... in real late but um the next morning the plan is to wake up early and go hiking because my show time's not till like 5 or 6 p.m that is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Get to do the Colorado Springs to Denver. Like that is very short. Yeah. I was saying, yeah. are you just like, what, what is your cruise altitude during that? Have you flown that one before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did it once before and I think our cruise altitude, keep in mind, airport elevation is like 56, 5,700 feet. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think our cruise altitude is 8,000. That's crazy. Yeah. That's we were like 3,000 feet above the ground. Yeah. Right about there. Yeah. Um, because Colorado Springs was taking off North and Denver was landing North. So you take off and I think you talk to one approach controller and it's the final controller and then you switch over to tower and then you clear Clear, clear for the ILS. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we got a runway change. So that makes you very busy. If you don't have a runway change, you can pretty much brief everything on the ground, Okay. which as instrument students do that. If as much as you can brief, like if you know your first approach is the ILS three, six, Try and brief it on the ground if you can. Okay. Just alleviates your uh, workload. But yeah, then we got a runway change and everything got real busy because we got to send for performance numbers for a different runway. We've got to brief a different runway and all below 10,000 feet. So you're in sterile cockpit. So right. the the rules for, you know, everybody has to always be, someone has to always be flying the airplane. So you're switching over controls and the pilot flying, setting up everything. And then you switch back controls and then, you know, one guy briefs and one's just sitting there listening. You know, it's just, it gets busy. Yeah. That, that does sound pretty crazy. Yeah. Probably makes the time fly by though. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Last question for you. What are your aviation goals? Um, I'm a big 757 fan. I love that airplane. It is awesome. Yep. High performance. It looks cool. It's disproportionate. It's weird looking. <laughs> it is everything that's good about an airplane. Um, so someday flying that for anybody. Yeah. Whether it's American, United, Delta. Probably not Delta. Delta 75 trips are not very good. Um, that is a good a- Ava is hurt by that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I just had a Delta 757 pilot in the jump seat. Okay. And he usually flies the 7.6 out of JFK. Okay. But he said if you're on the 7.5 and touch Atlanta at all, you're flying the same routes that the 717 is flying. Oh. So it's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. And usually if you bit up into the 757, you're, you don't want to be working those really short trips. Yeah, that doesn't sound super fun. Nope. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, United's got quite the international network with their 7.5s yeah. now. To yeah, like Europe. So that's pretty cool. Plus the yeah. transcon. Actually, Americans are not flying their 75 anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think American <sighs> has the 757 anymore. Well, you got two options. Yep. Well, I guess one. We yeah. know where you're going. <laughs> Off to United. Go. Sam's yeah. going to United. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sam, we heard that you have a couple questions for us. I so do. We, we are ready for them. What is a 141 college like? I, I've done a two-year, but this whole thing is way different. It's expensive. Yeah, I very, <laughs> yeah very, one word. It's expensive. Very expensive. Um, you know, I kind of, I mean, I like it. I didn't really have much experience prior to coming here with flight training and all that stuff. Yeah. So I definitely have a different perspective of it than you do probably do, Jarrett. Um, I like it. I like how structured it is. Um, I like that everyone that goes here um, is really passionate about aviation at least in the aviation department. Mm -hmm. I don't know about all the other departments, but um, I don't know. It's nice. I don't per se love the gen eds. There are a lot of them, (laughs) a lot of boring ones, but. What do I need to know about psychology? Yeah. Yeah. We're taking a sociology class right now. Really? Math? Yeah. (laughs) There, I mean, there's some good math classes here though. Like what, which one are you doing? I'm taking in the fall, I'm taking win, lose or draw, which teach you the statistics of like poker and stuff like that. Like you play the games in the class. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. You guys sound like you have really cool classes. It was either that or calculus. So I took, Oh yeah. I took that one. Oh yeah. Like there's a seminar about Harry Potter or something too. And Oh sweet. If you're into that. Yeah. yeah, If you're a Harry Potter fan, which I know I'm not. So Ava, you didn't have any hours coming into here no i had a couple like i don't want to say real flight lessons yeah um just a couple in down in florida but yeah mostly just spent doing some spins and all that fun stuff so yeah, she did spin yeah. training before she came here <laughs> wow yeah yeah it's pretty cool but no came, came in here started flying um have over 40 hours now which is pretty cool nice. but Very good. so yeah i mean i started in january which a lot of people here are still working on their stage one and as i said last week i think I'm already on stage two, about Sweet. halfway through stage two already. So good on you. Yeah, it's pretty fun. What do you think, Jerry? And then, uh, well, the way Sam taught me, I feel like was pretty structured and like well done. And I had some instructors after Sam that were not that way, and that was like the sixty. That was I feel like the more like sixty-one cowboy way is yeah. like completely unstructured. Let's go offline, and I'll tell you what we're doing as we do it. Yeah. 
um, versus like Sam before we went, he kind of, kind of told me what we were going to do, which is more similar to what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, but like the traditional 61 way is way different than this 141. Plus, um, I don't know. We've got like, I mean, the whole aviation department is centered around like the flight program and yeah. um, we've got um, people that like give us the planes. We have like a planes assigned to us, like certain times that we're flying the planes. Um, like all the lessons are numbered and we're like, we're supposed to do stuff. And I don't know what it was like at the uh, college you went to, but we have like stages for all of our. Yep. We have the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, the stages and we've got, you know, TCO sheets that tell us exactly what we're supposed to be studying and stuff like that. So it's really well structured. Um, and I, I like it for the most part. Yeah, um, the amount of opportunities too as well. We have yeah. a bunch of different clubs. We do a bunch of different activities here. Um, this Saturday, uh, we're having like gr- a Girl Scout One, thing. 175 people are coming here to yeah. do activities at the campus. Yep. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, and they're all between the ages of like five and like 15. Yeah, and then a couple weeks ago we had the Southwest Adopt Pilot thing over here. We both volunteered for that. Um, so there's definitely a lot of opportunities. We've toured several airports. Um, That's the perk of being in Chicago area. Yeah. yeah. Is there so much opportunity? There's never a dull moment. Um, uh, United Airlines sure. came out here in the spring um, and did a presentation about their SMS their safety management system. Um, And so it was like the head of their safety department. And he was just telling us like, like these is, this is how much we're spending on. I can't do like a lot of specifics, but I think one of like the campaigns he did like five years ago was like, this is how much we're spending on people that are breaking their foots. So we're going to start like paying for people's steel toe boots on the ramp. And like, this is how much it's going to cost us. This is how much it's saving us for like workers comp and like out of like people being out of their job because of the, the injury and like how much money it saved them. And it saved them quite a bit of money by paying for people's shoes because of how much money they're losing by people not working because they were injured. Right. Yeah. It was interesting. Really cool. Um, I mean, we've toured Midway O'Hare a couple times, United yeah. airlines at O'Hare. We toured their whole operations department. Got to see like their, um, their NOC, their headquarters, all that stuff. Did you get yeah. to see the cafeteria. Uh, yes. They got to the open basement. that back up. They got to open it back up. It's closed <laughs> right now. They closed it for COVID. Yeah. But we also, I mean, toured at the FBO Midway Atlantic Aviation. Um, we've definitely had our fair share of tours and super cool experiences that a lot of people probably don't get to experience. Um, I've never been to Midway. I've yeah. never, never been to, been to Midway ever. No. Okay. Never been to Atlantic at O'Hare. I mean, my now it's my home airport and I've only seen like a third of it. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. You know, there's I other go term- back to school. There's other terminals. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, yeah, that's what we got going on, and, and I mean, it's really cool the amount of opportunities we yeah. have here. Yeah, the price is just a small, <laughs> small issue, yeah. but you get a bank, good bang for your buck. Yeah, I have another question. Mm-hmm. So, the first time I ever had a dispatcher was at the airlines. I have never experienced a dispatcher on a college level. What? And you are one, right? I am one. Yes. What do you do? So the main, um, the main purpose of me is I'm, um, checking the flight schedules, giving aircraft out, uh, checking the, like the maintenance levels, how much like tack time do they have to the next oil change coordinating with maintenance? Okay. This plane needs, is going to be down for like two hours. We need it back within those two hours because now we have nine people that are supposed to come in and maybe like once that plane goes down, we only have eight planes left that in that specific like type that the student's doing or like, uh, today they're doing spin training. So I had to make sure that like 
I had to do like fuel management to make sure that by the time like the all the flights when I was working yesterday, by the time all the flights went down, there was exactly 14 gallons left in the plane. So then they could do spins this morning in the plane. Wow. So it's not like, uh, you know, in that utility category. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not as much, um, you know, creating flight plans or anything like that. It's yeah. more just like managing and, um, you know, organizing the entire flight department. And delivering the bad news when there's not enough planes for people. Yeah. Which I bet is your favorite part of the job. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like there's there's people on the schedule and we only put people or the, the, the computer system only puts enough people on the schedule for how many planes we have up at the time. But then if there's a no show, then we have things called ops requests where people yeah. that are like on a wait list basically and they check in first come first serve. And if someone there's a no show that's on the schedule, then it goes to the first person that checked in on ops. Well, if then sometimes there's like people like the, the computer messed something up and they scheduled too many people. And now I have to go back through and say, okay, like this person's the closest to their stage check. So they get a player better than someone that's like pretty far away from okay. like a check ride or something like that. So it's a lot of like looking at the big picture and managing it down in the micro level. Interesting. So you're like a logistics manager for the entire operation. Basically. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, they trust yeah. they trust a student with that. The student. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're embedded in the operation. Right. You know, you you're in no way out of touch with what's going on in the flight department, so. Yeah. It's a lot oh, of that's fun. That's good. Yeah, you make a lot of connections too. Yeah. So Ava, this is just a question I had listening to the episode last week. Okay. Your stage 1 check is before or after your solo? Yeah. Um it's I think about what two or three lessons after solo. Interesting. Um, the couple lessons in between are basically just reviews, going over all the maneuvers, um, making sure that you are up to date on everything, still able to do everything. Yeah. Then there's a stage check bit. So, yeah. And then um, after you have that stage check, then there are also a couple more additional solos that you do. We have the local um, stay in the airport practice area one, like I said last week. So it's just still soloing afterwards. But yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. Solo flying is the best. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My first time I... In my solo, I looked over and my flight instructor's headset was there, but he wasn't. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh man, that's okay. I asked my I instructor a question on my first solo, and I looked over and I was like, because like she wasn't responding, I looked over and I was like, oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. She's not here. Yeah, my instructor was singing on the radio, so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's nice not having him in there, but at the same time, no hate towards him. Yeah, he's a, he's an okay guy. Okay, instructor. Well, your instructor can be great, but yes. being in an airplane alone is <laughs> yes. awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Yeah, so very I think cool, very fun. That's all we got this week. Yeah, pretty much. Thank you so much for listening to episode number eight of Through the Clouds podcast. We hope you uh, enjoyed, and thank you so much, Sam, to coming yeah, out and joining guest. us on this. I had a bunch of fun. Awesome. So maybe yeah. we can convince you to come back out for a second episode in a couple months. Maybe we'll see. Uh, maybe okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll have some stories Ooh, about my last go. two months. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. So, yeah, that's what we got going on, too. We'll see you uh, next time. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Send us questions at ttcloudspodcast at gmail.com or over on Instagram, ttcloudspodcast. And signing off for now. We'll uh, see you later. See you. Goodbye. <laughs>